If you have a Bible, if you want to turn with me to Psalm chapter 27, uh, there's also a Bible in front of you in the pews. They should be one there, and the words will be up on the screen. Well, again, Happy New Year. Today, January 1st, 2023. What in the world? Can you believe it? Anybody feel like their, their birth date's getting further and further away? You know, you ever spin those things that go back to your birthday, and it gets more depressing. You're like, oh my goodness, how far do I have to spin 2023, uh, another year that God has blessed us with. Uh, January is actually named after the ancient Roman god Janus. And, and in their myths, that god was the god of beginnings and endings. It was interesting. They didn't make temples for this god. They made gates for it because he was the god of kind of passageways, entries, doorways, beginnings, and ended uh, endings. And so how they depicted this God was as a two-faced God. Maybe you've seen it. So the, the ancient Roman God of Janus has a face looking two different directions. It's looking backwards and it's looking forwards. And so apropos, you're going to name a month January, kind of the month where we look backwards and say, God, thank you so much uh, to the true living God, the God who is Thank you so much for your faithfulness in 2022. And a God and it gives us the ability to look forward and say, God, thank you for being with us in the coming year. Well, every January it happens to all of us, the best of us. I mean, January is a time for New Year's resolutions. It's a time to say, I'm, I'm getting my life in order in certain ways. I'm going to do this and that and the other thing. Now, how many of you are bold enough to say that you are making New Year's resolutions this year? Anybody bold enough to say... I do not see one single hand. I see one, Chris. Not a boy. Let me tell you, I've made some. Uh, I really have made some New Year's resolutions. Uh, statistics will say how long you'll actually last. Will you go to the end of the month? Will you carry into the first quarter? But there's something, is it not true? There's something about January that makes it feel like do-over, right? It makes it feel like restart. I don't know. There's something that makes you feel like there's some hope. Uh, there, there's something new. And it's, the funny thing is, is just think about it. What's changed since yesterday? A calendar date, right? I mean, I mean, really, not a whole lot, probably. But there's something about January 1 with a new year. It just feels like a fresh start. And that's a good thing. Well, with a new year, not only is there new resolutions, there's new beginnings, there's new hopes, there's new dreams. And listen, I hope you have them. I hope that this, there's some excitement of leaning forward to what's happening. With a new year comes new pursuits. So let me ask you, what are you going to pursue in 2023? Or maybe better asked this way, what are you going to pursue in a different way? Or what are you going to push up in your pursuits in 2023? What will be that overarching pursuit? Uh, for some, it might be something physical. Uh, for some, it might be something financial. Uh, for some, it might be uh, some kind of a comfort or or something, or, or something health-related. Uh, a lot of goals, a lot of desires, a lot of hopes and dreams for 2023. We can't help it. January 1st is here. We kind of dream for the future. There's a book written by a guy named Stephen Covey. He wrote it back in 1993. Uh, it's a, he's a best-selling author. I've read some of his books. Uh, the Seven Habits of the Highly Effective Person is one of his books. Um, he, uh, by the way, he's a, a Mormon. Um, but he wrote a book called First Things First. I love that. First Things First, uh, he wrote it way back in 93, 
And he says it's a guide to prioritizing your personal and professional goals. I mean, I think no matter where we start in the year, that's a smart way to think. Let's put first things first. So how do we prioritize our personal and professional goals? Can we actually blend them together? Well, let me tell you, Covey wrote a fine book. If you want to look through that book, it might help you. But God wrote a much better book than Covey. Uh, he wrote the greatest of books. It's the Bible. Uh, here it is right here. And God's word tells us that we are to put first things first. And guess what the first thing should be? God, right? I mean, maybe just look at the very first page and the very first four words of the Bible. And we realize, here's what it says, in the beginning, God. I mean, so that should be our priority. God wants to say, here's my story. Let me let you know that all things were created by me, for me, for my glory. The most important thing in our lives being made in his image is the one whose image we reflect. It's him. So here's the good news. God wants you to pursue something so much bigger and so much better than your life or your family's life. And God wants your first things to be first is God. God, in the beginning, was God. God is to be first and foremost in all things. Probably doesn't surprise you. Well, right before Thanksgiving, uh, I, t I talked to the elders and, and said, I, I really feel called. I'm going to get away for a few days just by myself and pursue God. And, and get, get, just try to listen to him and say, God, what, what do you have for King's Chapel moving forward? What do you have for Jeff Jakes as pastor? What do you have for us? as we go forward and getting away and spending time with him i brought a ton of books with me i always feel like i know what god is going to say and so i bring the books i think he's going to speak through i always try to figure out what i know what i want to study uh, but really more this time than anything else was the overarching whispering and really through one small little book by uh tozier is there somebody's phone that's going off Okay, um, so I have this one little book uh, by, by Tozier called The Pursuit of God. And what God impressed upon your pastor more than anything for this year was pursue me, pursue my face. And what God impressed upon me more than anything this year was make King's Chapel pursue me. You see, I wanted, I wanted God to tell me about how big we're going to grow and how fast we're going to grow. I wanted God to tell us about the next place that we'll worship in. I wanted God to tell me uh, about a lot of uh, the programs that we needed to start and the ones we needed to stop. Uh, I wanted God to really make clear a lot of logistical things, but overarching was God saying, pursue me in 2023. Seek my face. Seek my face first and foremost. And I, I got to tell you, I'm not exactly sure what that looks like. But I could tell you this. Of all my goals, and the goals I have to maybe physically do some things, or financially do some things, or, or just even relationally do some things, they all subsided to an overarching goal of seeking God's face. Will you journey with me? Will you, will you go with me? Can we do the first things first of putting God first uh, the best we can in our lives? So God directed me to, to, to Psalm 27. It's a great Psalm of David. We're going to look at it today. And we're going to look at four things. As we start a new year, as we start a new year, it's all fresh. 
we're going to see four things that Psalm 27 teaches us. We can find out that the Lord, we find our confidence in this psalm. We find our pursuit. We find our prayer. And we find our posture. And each one is fabulous. Each one will really teach us about how to live each day this year for God's glory. Our confidence, oh, how we need it. Our pursuit, our prayer, and our posture. So let's uh, turn in God's word to Psalm 27, written by David, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Hear the word of the Lord. Psalm 27 of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army camp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. The one thing I ask of the Lord that I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me upon a rock, high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger or you who have been my help. Cast me not off, forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Well, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, we thank you that we can begin this new year with nothing to fear. Not because we don't have things to fear inside us or around us. There's plenty. But God, we have nothing to fear because of who lives inside of us, who reigns over us. You are great God, the one who is mighty and able, the one, to, the one who is tender and near. That is our great God. Oh God, we need to seek you first. We need to make sure our priorities are right as we embark on a new year. Oh God, would you come and would you remind us of this truth? Oh God, would you speak through a broken sinner like me and would you give us ears to hear your voice and minds to understand your word found here in Psalm 27? Oh God, would you give us hearts that would be soft and pliable in your hands, that would embrace your truth? And God, would you give us feet that, that are ready to walk in obedience to your holy name? God, the things that I say that are wrong are merely my opinion. May those things fall away and be forgotten. We pray that you and you alone receive glory. 
for the things that are said that are true. Oh God, use those things to make us more like your son. Use those things to help us prioritize our pursuits this year. We pray in Christ's matchless name. Amen. I love it. In verses 1 through 3, David's going to say, well, here's, here's my confidence, right? My confidence. And he's going to make it very personal. I mean, the Lord, he is my light. Uh, the Lord, he is my salvation. He's mine. The Lord, he is my stronghold. So this is, these aren't just religious words we find in the Bible. This is somebody who has an intimate relationship with the God who is. And we read through scripture, we realize that, that David did have an amazing relationship with God. God entered into a relationship with him, saying that not only be his God, but that he would establish his David's throne and his kingdom forever. And David now in faith is responding by saying, it's mine. I mean, I, I just have confidence in the Lord because my God is able. His confidence wasn't in himself. It wasn't in his army. It wasn't in his wealth. His confidence was in the Lord. He says, the Lord is my light. I love that. The Lord is our light. So we look at this, this, this figurative language of light. Scripture will actually say that God is light. So what does he mean when he says, the Lord is my light? Well, the first thing is light is our light to guide us, right? I mean, the light we need, if we're in the dark, if you don't understand something, you may say to somebody, I don't understand, I'm in the dark. I don't know what's going on here. I, I, I don't see what you're saying. I'm still a little bit in the dark on this. Can you shed some light on this situation for me? And so when Scripture will tell us, and David says, the Lord is my light, he's saying, the Lord is my light to guide my life. He's the one who will guide me. As a matter of fact, uh, Psalm 119.105 says this, Your word, O Lord, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I love that. I just love the fact that God's word, you're going to light up before me. I'm going to see dimly. I'm not going to always understand. But God, here's your word. It's going to be a light for my path. So God's given us a light to guide us. But there's more. He's given us a light to enlighten us. Uh, one of my favorite little verses in the psalm is Psalm 36.9. And it says this, for with you is the fountain of life. Life is found alone in him. And in your light do we see light. Interesting. In you is life, and in your light do we see light. What, what is he really saying to us here? I mean, this, this is uh, tremendously important for us to know this. It's saying basically that in God's light, that will shine, that will enlighten all things. We should understand who we are in light of God. We should understand our world in light of God and his world. We should understand our surroundings in light of God because God is the only one who defines truth. God is the only one who knows reality. It's God's world that he created. And so it's in his light that we see light. Now here's what we do. Made in his image, we've rebelled against him. We think, ah, oh, we don't need you to really understand that somehow between our ears, we're going to have enough wisdom to, to navigate life. We're going to have enough wisdom to try to figure out life and what is important and, and, and what is not. And look where we are society-wise, society where we've driven God's light out of often many of the decisions. I mean, it's completely changed the way we look at marriage. It's completely changed the way we look at family. It's completely changed the way we look at the world around us and what is important. And God says to his people, I am your light. I am your light. May you see the world. May you see yourself in my light. 
May you see me. I want you to see yourself the way I see you in Christ Jesus, forgiven and free and filled with the Spirit. I want you to see the world the way I see it. It's my world, and my plan is unfolding. I want you to see all things in the light of Christ. Christians, may we live not one moment of our day trying to navigate this world on our own. May the light of Christ shine powerfully on us and around us so that we know what is truth, what is worth pursuing, what is real, and may we walk by faith. But there's three things with light. Not only does it guide us and not only does it inform us, but really the, the light will ne never allow the darkness to overcome us. The light to conquer the darkness within us and around us. How dark is it in our world right now? How dark is it, let's be honest, in your life right now? Let me remind you the Gospel of John. John 1 says this. John 1, verses 4 and 5. In him, Jesus, was life. And wow, it's life abundant. It's life eternal. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. So he has a current, he's a, a quality of life that's also light, light to us. And it says this. The light shines in the darkness. This light of Christ shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it or doesn't understand it. Here's what we got to know. Are you fearful of the darkness around you? Are you fearful of where we're headed as a society? Well, it should scare us a bit, in many ways, humanly speaking. But the promises of God is this. Jesus is the light of the world, and he came to shine in the darkness. And listen, the darkness will not overcome. The darkness in your life will not overcome, and the darkness in this world will not overcome. Let me tell you what that means. If you are his, if you've embraced Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're still going to be a knucklehead. You're still going to have some darkness that you wrestle with. You're still going to stumble and fall, but he says this, but the light will prevail. It's not going to be, hey, his grace is greater than our sin, right? And so the, the reality is the light will prevail in our lives. I mean, he who started that light in us, he's not going to let it go out. It's so good. It's him. It's his grace, his favor. But even the darkness in your, the world, and I know the darkness of the world, we think sometimes wrongly, maybe if we just get the right guys and gals in office, if we get the right political stuff, the right economy stuff, if everything can line up, and I hate to say it, probably so that we're comfortable and easy, we'll be okay. No. The only way that everything lines up right is in the light of Christ. And he says the darkness is not going to be driven out by a vote. It's not going to be driven out by some morality of, of people. It's going to be driven out by the light of Christ and us living in obedience to him. So you are my light. What do we have to fear? I mean, there should be no fear. Darkness will not win. Let me remind you, darkness will not win. Do not fear. Second thing, the Lord is our salvation. And here, salvation equals deliverance. And here's the beautiful thing. There's not one daggum thing in 2023 that you will get yourself entangled in that God can't untangle you. I mean, he can't get you out of. He can do it. Our God is able. He is our salvation. He's our deliverer. Um, I remember uh, as a young boy, uh, apparently not a very talented young boy, when my shirt was inside out, I remember going to my mom or my dad saying, can you turn my shirt inside in? They're like, inside in? What does that mean? Well, I want you, it's inside out. Can you turn it inside in? You know, can, can you make it right? Because it's not right. Our God can make it right. And Jesus came to make it right. He's begun it. And there's one day he's going to fulfill it. And so everything that's broken, he's going to make new. And listen, there's nothing in 2023 that's in front of you that you're going to get entangled with, either by your fault or not, that our God is not able. Do not fear. 
Do not fear tomorrow. He goes with you and for you. Uh, he'll never leave you alone. Salvation to us. So when David says, the Lord is my salvation, what does it mean to him to be a deliverer? He knows he had to run from a guy named Saul, a king who was terrible after his life. David had to fight a guy named Goliath who was a giant. I mean, he knew that God was his salvation, his deliverer. But let me hit pause and say, you know how much more we know God is our salvation? Because we live after the cross. We live after the empty tomb. We know the fact that God's Messiah, Jesus, has come and he's rescued us. We know that Jesus has conquered sin and death. And we know he's our salvation. That he is the living one that's given us life and life eternally. That he truly is our salvation. He's conquered God's and our greatest enemies. Sin and death. What do you have to fear? What do you have to fear? If he's your salvation this year, if he's your salvation, what do you have to fear? The, wall, the Lord is our stronghold. This is basically saying a stronghold is like a, a refuge, a place of hiding. It's basically saying we're safe in any storm coming up. Here's our God. Our God is able. You know the story, the great story of Jesus in the boat when the storm was raging and all the fishermen were scared to death. How bad a storm did that have to be, right? And he speaks and says, still, peace, be calm. And it was. So here's the reality. Our God is able to calm the storms in our life. Sometimes he does. Oftentimes he doesn't. But he's always going to ride through the boat with us. Well, either he's going to go with us through the storm or he's going to calm it. Uh, it's, just, it's just a beautiful reality. Whatever you face this year, he's our stronghold. I mean, he's, he's, he's our refuge. He's our place to, of, of hiding. Let us hide in him. I love what Psalm 46 reminds us. God is our refuge and strength. Hear these words of the Lord. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. You're in trouble? Very present. God is a refuge. He's a strength. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way. Oh, my goodness. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, God is our refuge and strength. There's nothing to fear in 2023 and behind, beyond. If God is our refuge, our stronghold, what should we fear? All right. Not only is that reality, but God is our, not only our confidence, God is our pursuit. You look at verses 4 through 6. I mean, David's going to say, the one thing that I long for, the, my, my overarching pursuit is seeking the Lord's presence, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. I mean, it's interesting. If you look at the word temple or tent, that was God's presence for David. It's repeated over and over and over again. And he's basically saying, God, I want to be in your presence because there's something about your presence that, that is unlike anything else. Now, hit pause. We know that Scripture will teach us that God is, is omnipresent. He's everywhere. There's not a place that he is not. But there are places that he's uniquely present. Huh. There's places that, that he is almost like more there. I know it's a mystery. He's all places. But there are places that we are to seek his presence. So we want to ask the question, okay, what did it mean for David to really seek that unique presence? It probably meant going to the tabernacle. Remember, the temple wasn't built yet. But what does it mean for us Christians to seek God's presence? Because God is uniquely, if, if you are a born-again Christian, if you've given your life to Christ, if you've become a new creation in Christ Jesus, God's Holy Spirit resides in you. There's not a true Christian who doesn't have the Holy Spirit. You can't have Christianity, you can't have faith and God's grace without it. So God says that now our, our bodies 
are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that God has an amazing way of dwelling with us. So, so his presence is uniquely with us, and God's word says don't grieve the Holy Spirit. I mean, live a certain type of life that's, that's a sweet aroma to him. Pursue holiness. God's presence is uniquely in his word. It's living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Do not neglect being in God's word. And here's another reality. God's presence is uniquely with his people in a gathering like this. Hebrews 13 says, Do not forsake assembling together as some are in a habit of doing. I know that oftentimes in our, our rugged American mindset, it's our journey with God and God alone. I don't need the rest of y'all. I mean, you guys are knuckleheads. I'm a knucklehead. I'll try to do it on my own. No, he says, listen, get together because we're two or more gathered. There I am. I mean, this is supposed to be our, our sacred time of hearing from our God, loving one another, being ramped up to charge into the world to bring Jesus to a world that desperately needs it. God's presence uniquely with his people. We gather in God's name. We gather as God's people. And his presence is uniquely here. Let's not forsake corporate worship. God's favor uniquely flows through his son. God's favor is found in his son. If you have Jesus as your Lord, you have the Father's favor. You have found it. It's not in what you do. It's not in your own works of righteousness. We read that this morning in our assurance of pardon. If you want to know the Father's smile, the Father's pleasure, embrace the Father's Son. God's favor is found in his holiness. We pursue God's holiness because why? He is holy. And we have found the favor of the Son. Therefore, we pursue holiness. I hope you followed that logic. God is holy. We should pursue holiness because we found God's favor through relationship with his Son. He's made us righteous. He's given us the righteousness of God in Christ. And now we pursue holiness. We pursue God's favor that way. We also, not only seeking the presence of the Lord, we seek the beauty of the Lord. Seeking the beauty of the Lord is creation. Um, you know that he spoke all things into existence. Have you seen some of the Florida sunsets? Have you been to the beach and seen a sunrise? Have you gone up and seen the, the mountains of even North Carolina or further west? I mean, all of God's creation, it tells a story. He reveals his beauty. Scripture will tell us that all of creation has been cursed because of the fall. Can you imagine what it would be like apart from the fall? We see God's beauty in his providence, which means his hand unfolding time. How God works all things together for our good and his glory. Go figure. It's beautiful. We see God's beauty in his word. Uh, the, the, the word of God, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Just literary, beautiful. I mean, I love being in seminary and being under those who really knew Hebrew, and to show us the beauty of how God wrote his word, the way it all fits together, it's absolutely beautiful. You don't have to know Hebrew or Greek to see the beauty of God's overarching story, and then see the beauty of God's people. I mean, it's us. We should see the beauty of the Lord in one another, of, of different people, of different sizes and shapes and colors and nationalities and ages. We're God's people. It's beautiful what he's doing. Um, even in our prayer, our, what should our prayer be? So we see we our pursuit. Uh, then we have our, our prayer should be seeking the Lord's face. I love it because David says, hey, the one thing I long for is I want to stare at your beauty. I want to be in your presence. And then he's going to pray. He's going to go, he's going to say in verses 7 and, and beyond, God, hear my prayer. Hear my cry. 
I want to seek your face because, Lord, you told me to seek your face. And so our prayer should be this year seeking the Lord's face. The Lord graciously tells us to seek his face, to seek his presence. And let me tell you, of all your pursuits this year, of all the things you do, seeking God's face should be above all other pursuits. Seeking God's presence, being with him, even being with him in a quiet time of just spending time with him, sitting in his presence, praying without ceasing, knowing that he's with you and loves you. Not only seeking the Lord's face, but seeking the Lord's favor. I, I love this, and I, I mentioned it earlier, but no matter whose favor we lose, let us seek the Lord's favor. David says this. I don't know how it happened. He goes, listen, my, my mother and my father, they've abandoned me. I feel so alone. I mean, I feel like there's an army encamped against me. I mean, I feel like the odds are stacked up against me. I feel like, like, like the world's stacked up against me. Hit pause. Have you ever felt that way? I know I have. Have you ever felt like, like, like you've been dealt some really hard cards? Or, or like you're, you're, you're on your own, and, or, or maybe you've lost the favor of those that you love, or, or even, even losing a favor that you shouldn't have. But here's the beautiful thing. If you are Christ, you're not going to lose God's favor. If you have God's Son, that's where God's favor rests. That's where God's favor is poured out. It's poured out through Christ Jesus. That's why Jesus would say, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. There's no other way to the Father. There's no other way to God's favor except through me. He's that mediator between holy God and sinful man. He's that conduit. Uh, Ephesians 1.3 will say it this way, that all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms, wrap your mind around that, all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms are ours in Christ Jesus. God's favor is found in God's Son. And God, those who have God's Son, have found God's favor, and it's been poured upon us. And it'll never leave us, and it'll never forsake us. And no matter what forsakes us this year, and no matter who turns their back on us this year, and no matter what you are facing, embrace, seek God's favor. And you already have it. And just seek God's Son. I, I love that reality. Seeking the favor is seeking Jesus. You want to seek God's favor? Seek Him. The Lord's guidance. We need to be seeking the Lord's guidance in verse 11. He says, Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Above all things, who is your teacher? Who's your counselor? Who's your guide? I mean, I, I love it. I, I heard a podcast recently said, are you listening for advice to people who don't love Jesus to live your life? Are, are you, who are you listening to to live your life? If they don't love Jesus, they don't have counsel that's of the Lord, right? If they're not, if they're not his. And it's not that we can't find some wisdom from the world. We certainly can. And it doesn't mean that you just got to go to a Christian financial person. There's probably somebody who might be smarter that's not a Christian. But when it comes to really living your life, really making decisions of what your priority should be, it should be first and foremost being guided by his word, his spirit, being guided by his people that are walking with him. The Lord is our guidance. I love that fact. Teach me your way. 
I, I love it when the psalmist says, make me know your ways, O Lord. Make me know them. Make me know them. I, I pray that all the time. God, I'm such a knucklehead. Make me know your ways. Teach me your paths. Lead me. Guide me. Please, Lord, for your glory. May we seek the Lord's guidance, guided by God's word, led by God's spirit. And then seeking the Lord's protection, verse 12. It says this, give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me and they breathe out violence. I mean, David knew what it was to have adversaries inside his camp and outside. And he sought the Lord's protection. Let me make sure, church, you know, we are in a battle. There is a devil. There is an enemy who hates us. There is a world who thinks we're crazy. And they think we're idiots and simple-minded people who follow a word of God. And we also battle our flesh. Our flesh is broken. We have the tendency to wander. I often say, I don't, I'm not one of those guys who say the devil made me do it. I don't have to do it because I don't need the devil to do much for me, right? I don't, I don't need to have the devil. I, mean, I know I have him. I got to be, be praying against him. I, I got the world. But to me, it's like, man, I, I'm so broken that I, I don't need a lot of, you know, the world to tempt me. It's, it's this all within me. When we pray, lead me not in temptation, I'm begging God. God, lead me not in temptation. Deliver me from evil. Because please guide me and protect me for your glory. We are in a battle. Don't forget it. If the enemy wants to lull you to sleep, you don't need to pray. You don't need to be in the Word. You don't need to go to church. It's not that big a deal. Bull. <laughs> We're fighting right now. We are the light of the world. Let us battle together. And then lastly, this is so important. I love the way this psalm ends. Our posture. Our posture should be two things. Believing and waiting. Listen to verse 13. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Now, I want you to notice that. It says, I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. It doesn't say I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord when I die and go to heaven. I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord when I finally get to the end of the race, and there he is. Yes, we'll see God's goodness in an amazing way that way. But here David had the faith saying, no, no, I believe that I am going to see. I'm going to see God's goodness in this time, in this year, in the land of the living right now. I believe it. I'm going to walk by faith. I'm going to trust God's promises. And I mean, that's the bottom line. Open your eyes to see where God is working. You will see it. You will see God's hand in a beautiful way. And you'll say, oh my goodness, only God could have done this. Only God's goodness is here. Believe. Believe in the promises. But the second thing is waiting. Waiting for the Lord. It says, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. It says it twice. Wait for the Lord. Anybody here like waiting? I hate waiting. I hate it. I go to Publix. I'm looking, who's got the quickest line? You know, I mean, if I get in the wrong line, especially Costco, oh, man, I hate it. Self-loathing starts to happen. I got to get in that. I should have gotten that line. And, you know, I'm tempted to ram my card into somebody because I don't, Mary, I wouldn't. I, I, I don't like waiting. I mean, waiting stinks. And I got to tell you, waiting is not an American virtue. It's not a virtue of our instantaneous microwave culture that we embrace, waiting. Christians, we are called to do two things in our posture this year, believe and wait. Now, there's some real knuckleheads who will tell you that your best life can be now. It's not true. Your best life cannot be now. As long as we can't see Jesus face to face, our best life will not be now. We will have to wait. We've received God's promises, but there's more to come. We have to have the posture of waiting. We will be persecuted. You're going to have to wait. We are going to be in a battle. You're going to have to wait. 
You're going to have to wait in some waiting rooms. You're going to have to wait holding some hands of people who are weeping and broken. You're going to have to wait for all of God's promises to come to fruition. So you'll never have to wait alone. And you'll never have to wait without hope. Our God is able. He is making all things new. And the day is coming that there'll be no more thing called cancer and there'll be no more thing called brokenness and divorce. A day is coming where there's no more prodigals. Um, A day is coming, but it's not here yet. It's here, but it's not here fully. So we got to wait. I mean, matter of fact, I got to tell you, I'm so confused about waiting that I'm texting one of my seminary professors. I went to seminary a billion years ago. What what, what do you think? I'm seeing the word waiting all over Scripture. Everywhere I look now, you ever, you ever get to that where you start opening up God's word and you're like, he's trying to teach you something and you, everywhere you look, it's like the word waiting is everywhere I look. And I mean, he's saying like, I'm like, God, where are we going to go next is our church. You got to wait a little bit. God, how big are we? You got to wait a little bit. God, yeah, God, you got to wait a little bit. And I got to tell you, I, I, I am in process. Let me just tell you right now. I, I, I wish I could teach you more what it means to wait, but I'm there with you. And I don't like it. But I know that God said our posture should be believing and waiting, but all the time hoping. That is where we are, church. Our God is able. But let us put first things first. God in his glory, for the glory of our great God. Let us put first things first. Jesus Christ and his kingdom. So how do we put first things first? How do we seek God's face? Well, let me tell you something. We're trying to say, hey, Give me God's word. We're going to help you. I mean, just, just try. And it just, if this is too overwhelming, pick a psalm a day or pick a proverb. But get in God's word. Go through this read-through program or whatever. Spend time in God's uh, just private worship. I mean, two of my favorite devotionals is da- Everyday Prayers by Scotty Smith uh, or New Morning Mercies by David, uh, Paul David Tripp. Um, these are up here. So if anybody wants them, um, Come take them off uh, here. If, you want, if you're being led, saying, hey, I'd like a little bit more, these are two devotionals that I'd love to give to you. Um, spend time with God's people. Make worship a priority. I know I'm preaching to the choir of those who are here on January 1st. Make worship a priority, those of you online. Sorry. We're going to roll back our small groups called KC groups. Uh, we're going to roll them out in a couple of weeks. Jump into a small group. You're going to find other knuckleheads that, that are struggling with their faith and, and trying to make life work, but do it together. Come to all the king's men or, or our king's women. Uh, jump involved. You know, we, we last fall said, hey, what we feel like we're here for, we are here to equip those among us to reach those around us. So that's you. Help us equip you. You know, I got creeds and coffee. It'll start up again this Thursday. I mean, we're going to try to offer some things for you. Um, first things first. It's not your waistline. It's not your bank account. It's not your relationship. First things first. It's your God. Seek ye first. So all month, we're going to be looking at first things first. So seeking his face was today, next week, making room for God. Amen? Let's pray. Our Father God, we thank you that you were the first ones to seek, that we would never seek you first if you didn't seek us first. And we thank you that you've given us your spirit to help draw us to yourself. There's no seeking apart from your grace. But God is your people. Help us to prioritize. Help us to seek first your kingdom. 
Oh, Lord, thank you for your grace and mercy that, that, that throughout the days that we forget and we live for our own little kingdom. We live for our own name. We live for our own glory. We sometimes live as if you didn't even exist. But God, we thank you not only for that grace, but we ask that that grace would give us the ability that tomorrow we wake up and say, may I put Jesus first today. May I put his kingdom first. God, I pray for this church. Each one of us has a, has a role to play, that each one of us will say, well, what is it this year that you're calling us to do that's different? What is it? Is it read through scripture or just start a devotional? Is it start to give or even to tithe? Is it, is it spend time in a small group or uh, come, come to an early study? Uh, God, again, we're, we're frail, broken people, and you are an amazing God. But God, may each one of us honor you with the way we respond, seeking you first, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.